Welcome to the Lose Weight, Live Life podcast. If you're a female professional or entrepreneur who would do anything to lose weight, yet finds it impossible to stick to a diet, to eat less, or just what you think you should, this podcast is for you. I am your host, Certified Life and Weight Coach, Claire McKenzie. Listen in to learn how to stop overeating, lose weight for the last time, and create a relationship with food and yourself that you love all without diet deprivation and self-sabotage. Hi everyone and a very warm welcome to episode number 31. Today I want to talk to you about obesity. Now before I get started, I would love you to just take a moment to observe what the word obesity means to you. Because I think for many of us it is a very emotive word. I know that for me, the word used to be a trigger for a wave of shame washing through my body. If anyone mentioned obesity or being overweight in a conversation, I would feel my cheeks flushing and I could sense myself lowering my eyes, afraid to meet the other person's gaze in case I could sense their embarrassment at being around someone who was obese. By the way, the definition of obesity is, according to the World Health Organization, having an abnormal or excessive fat accumulation that presents a risk to health. A BMI over 30 is considered obese. When I was at my heaviest, I estimate I had a BMI of at least 42, putting me in the morbidly obese category. By the way, the BMI charts are far from accurate and perfect and don't take many factors into consideration. For me, that was the problem with obesity. I couldn't hide it or hide from it. There was no getting away from it not even for a moment. I literally carried it around with me and it was a very heavy burden. And then, after decades of feeling intense shame about my weight, the shame lifted. And it lifted because I forgave myself for not having solved the problem previously. I forgave myself for failing at every single diet I ever did, because even those diets that I worked hard at sticking to for months and months on end, and where I lost all my weight, it was only ever for a very short-lived period of time before I regained it. When I let go of the shame, it was replaced with compassion for myself. And the thing is, I started to feel differently because I learned to think about it differently. Yes, there are things I like about no longer being obese that makes it easier to feel differently about myself. And I know that not everyone who is obese feels the same way that I did. And I think that that's a good thing. There is no upside of hating or disliking yourself for either being obese or for not having figured out how not to be obese. So if you're listening to this podcast on the day it's released, then you may or may not know that yesterday, which was the 4th of March, was World Obesity Day. The World Obesity Federation created World Obesity Day to help meet four objectives. Increase awareness, encourage advocacy, improve policies and share experiences. The World Obesity Federation wants more people to understand that obesity is a disease and they want to help people understand the root causes and the actions needed to address them. The more people who understand that obesity is a complex disease created by the modern world in which we live today, and not a symptom of people not knowing about nutrition or not caring about what they eat, the better. Obesity kills, and 800 million people around the world live with obesity. It's estimated that the cost to the economy will be more than 1 trillion US dollars by 2025. So when I say that obesity is a problem of the modern world, what do I mean? What I mean is that we, humankind, have collectively created the problem of obesity. We have created the problem through our farming, 
food manufacturing, advertising and diet industries. And stating that isn't about pointing blame, it's to foster understanding that this is a shared problem. You see, the problem with all our readily available, highly refined and processed foods is that our bodies and brains were not created to handle them. Humans, like other animals, are compelled to eat. Your body and brain have evolved for your survival. That means that you seek pleasure, avoid pain and save effort and energy, just like other animals. In today's world, seeking pleasure, avoiding pain in the form of emotional discomfort and saving effort translates into eating foods with concentrated sugar, fat and alcohol as often as possible. But especially when the alternative is feeling emotional discomfort such as anxiety or boredom or stress or loneliness. What's enabled us to survive up to this point in our lives is now literally killing us. To thrive in the world in which we live today, we need to have strategies to overcome all our primal animalistic programming so that we avoid foods that give us artificial pleasure, so that we lean into emotional discomfort and so that we expend effort and energy in the form of healthy meal preparation, movement and exercise and self-care. Our brains are designed to be rewarded for life-preserving activities. Food provides that reward in the form of serotonin and dopamine and that creates desire. Concentrated and refined foods have messed with our natural internal desire and reward system. Dopamine creates more and more desire for food. As we eat it, the flood of dopamine downregulates the receptors that perpetuate the desire. The more we practice eating concentrated foods, the stronger the neural pathway motivating us to do so. Eventually, we get so good at it, it becomes a habit delegated to our unconscious brain. If you overeat, there's nothing wrong with you. It's not your fault. You've just unconsciously learned to overeat. That's why you often feel out of control, as if you are eating against your own will, although that's not actually true. And the good news, you can change these ingrained pathways by replacing them with new ones and interrupting the old ones by changing action and not rewarding yourself with food. And it's not only our brains that haven't adapted to thrive in this modern world we've created. Our bodies struggle too. Eating refined foods, especially refined sugars and carbohydrates, causes hormonal imbalance. When we eat foods high in sugar and refined carbohydrate, our pancreas must produce more insulin than is normal to move the glucose that's formed when those foods break down from our blood to our body. What's left over after our initial energy needs are met is stored as fat. An excess of insulin then stops us from being able to utilise our own body fat as an energy source, so our body sends hunger signals to our brain telling us we need to eat again. Meanwhile, the insulin overload impacts the effectiveness of hormones ghrelin and leptin that help regulate hunger, exacerbating the problem. You see, it really isn't as simple as telling yourself or others to eat less and exercise more. The only way we will take control of the obesity epidemic is by truly understanding what's going on and helping ourselves and others make lifelong changes designed to work with, not against, our brains and bodies. If you overeat, it's likely your current patterns of eating have been formed over years and decades, and it takes time for your body and brain to adjust to the new way of eating that's going to enable you to take control of your weight for life. Also, you've grown up in a world where food means far more than fuel and nourishment for your body. Food is entertainment, an appreciation of love and kindness and generosity. 
it's normal to eat three large meals and three snacks a day, or to go out for dinner and eat three, four, five, or even seven courses. The fact that it's normal to eat this way doesn't make it right, but even though the statistics very clearly show how our current way of eating is impacting our health and contributing to our early demise and costing us billions of pounds in tax to support healthcare, we still accept it and we still carry on. And the food manufacturing industry and the advertising industries know exactly how to cash in on our primal desires. They know how our bodies and brain are wired and they know how to create that over-desire for refined foods and they've been taking advantage of that for decades. Think about the number of aisles in your local supermarket that contain processed and refined foods compared to those that contain whole foods, fruit and vegetables, meat and fish, pulses, nuts, seeds, eggs and milk. I estimate it's less than 25%, probably far less than that. Yes, we're starting to see some improvements with better labelling and information about what foods contain, but far, far more needs to be done. And then we have the diet industry. Diets don't work because they don't address the cause of our overeating. Everything that I've just spoken about. Diets create more problems because our innate response is to resist them and we end up going into battle with ourselves. And then when we fail, we feel awful. And then when we fail, we feel awful. And if we're emotional eaters, we're ultimately ending up eating to feel better. And then if you're a victim of this modern world and you find yourself obese, you're then faced with dealing with the stigma and prejudice that comes with that from yourself and others. A 2019 report from The Lancet found that people who have obesity face inequity and prejudice in employment, education and stigmatisation in interpersonal relationships and in the media. Adults who experience weight stigma have increased psychological stress, depression and anxiety. As was true for me, obese people often internalise their weight stigma. They are their worst judge, blaming themselves for what they see as them being unable to control their weight. And this intense shame, self-judgment and guilt can lead to binge eating, reduced exercise and social isolation. And of course, if you're an emotional eater, your natural inclination is to turn to food to soothe away emotional discomfort. It truly is the perfect storm. Having an awareness of this, understanding this as the first step to either making life-lasting change yourself or supporting others to make changes in their life. Everyone can do their bit for obesity. To start with, we must become more aware of fat prejudice and obesity shame. We must stop labelling people who are obese as weak or lazy or stupid. We must shower obese people with love and compassion. Next, we need to stop prescriptive diets and instead we need to empower and equip people who want to lose weight with the knowledge to work out the right way to eat for them. By the way, everyone has a choice as to if and when they want to lose their weight. We should no more deny obese people medical care for being overweight than we should someone who was at fault in a car accident. And then we need to equip society with the cognitive tools to help themselves manage their own minds and emotion. And we need to show them how to use these skills to create a relationship with food and themselves and their lives that they love. So where does all of this sit alongside body positivity? Do you think that obese shop models should or shouldn't grace the covers of Cosmopolitan and other magazines? Do you think that it's possible to be healthy at any size? Do you think these models are suggesting to our teenage girls that obesity is to be embraced and that that's subsequently putting their health at risk? Here's what I think. Number one, I think there is no correlation between beauty and size. 
in the same way that there is no correlation between beauty and hair colour or eye colour. Beauty is never factual. It's always something created with our thoughts and we get to decide what we want to see as beautiful. Think of all the flowers in the world, big and small, bold and bright, pretty and dainty. We all agree there is no one colour or size or type of flower that is more beautiful than any other. Some of us may love orchids, for others it's lilies, or daffodils, or tulips, or roses, or peonies. You get the point. I think that everyone should love and accept themselves no matter the clothes size that they wear or the number on the scales that they see. I think that featuring a much broader range of body sizes and shapes and most definitely doing away with airbrushing and touching up bodies in the media must be the way forward. I believe the benefits of obese women showing that they are proud of who they are, of refusing to be hidden in shame, will have a positive impact on women and girls and show them that it's okay to love themselves no matter their size. And I believe this will help contribute to less obesity and not more. Thirdly, I don't think that any of us know how healthy someone is from looking at their picture. When we look at pictures of slim people, we don't know whether they are or aren't healthy. We don't know if they have liver damage from overdrinking, skin damage from over sun exposure, or lung damage from vaping. Likewise, it's not useful to try to guess whether an obese person is healthy due to the amount of exercise they do, or isn't healthy because they have excess fat on their bodies. Let's put the health debate to one side for the moment. Whilst it's part of the obesity conversation, it doesn't play a part in the size of a person that we should or shouldn't feature on the front cover of a magazine. The more we can help obese women and girls feel better about themselves, the easier it will be for them to lose weight if they want to. And we shouldn't assume that everyone wants to or should lose weight. Everyone has a right to choose what size they want to be. What's important is that we do what's required to help everybody believe that they get to choose what size their body is. What's important is that everyone knows losing weight is about far more than restricting certain foods, that it requires work to help their brain and body work for them and not against them. What's important is that we support everybody who chooses not to lose weight, who embraces being a larger size, and that they don't experience fat bias and fat prejudice. There's lots that needs to change. If nothing's done, it's expected that childhood obesity will increase by 60% and reach 250 million by the end of this decade. Obesity is a problem of epidemic proportions. In the words of the World Obesity Day campaign, together we can create a healthier future. To have a real impact on obesity, we need to work together to address its many root causes throughout society. Simplifying the disease to any one cause can make treating it even harder. So we must raise awareness and improve access to the appropriate information. Let's work together to combat the root causes of obesity. Thanks everybody for listening and take care. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and are ready to live a more intentional life, lose weight as a part of that journey and create a relationship with food and yourself that you love, then I would be honored to be your coach. There are two ways that you can work with me. You can join my monthly membership program, My One Life Academy, that gives you self-paced learning, supported by twice-weekly live calls and a whole lot more. Or you can join the waiting list for my next six-month Lose Weight, Live Life Group Coaching Mastermind Intensive. Go to www.thebestyou.coach forward slash coaching to find out all the details.